Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The Benz in Women NCAA Basketball Tournament and Final Four, which would have been this week, is canceled. And IndyCar, well, they may wrap up their season in St. Pete one day. No WWE. What about the Super Bowl? Could Tampa Bay lose that too? What is the impact on the pandemic on the sports world, and especially right here in Tampa Bay? We've got Matt Baker of the Tampa Bay Times to break all that down on this edition of Sports Day Tampa Bay. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times, along with producer Steve Versnick. All right, Matt Baker joins us now. And Matt, uh, not coincidentally, you're on the week of what would be the Final Four for the men's and women's college basketball tournament. And, of course, we don't have that in many other sporting events we'll talk about. But let's start there. Uh, and let's start on the competitive side because we'll get to the business side soon enough. How bad do you feel for the Dayton Flyers? I feel terrible for so many people, Rick. But, yeah, you're, you're Dayton. Um, I mean, Florida State had their oh, best yeah. team in however many years. I mean, yeah, it, yeah. FSU was absolutely a national championship contender. I don't know that they would have won the thing, but it, it's – depending on the draw Top and everything. Seed, they, sure. We, we would have been talking about them as a Final Four contender for sure. Um, mm-hmm. And then you add in like your your San Diego States that were having a fantastic year and everything else. And, I mean, this whole thing stinks for, for everyone um, because we will never know what, hap- what would have happened with FSU or Dayton or San Diego State. And whatever happens next year will not be the same. And it will – you know, this is just a, a whole – in the record books and, and, and those rosters and, and everything else that will never be filled. Um, I, this is the best example I can compare it to. This isn't a good example for a lot of reasons, but I remember talking to, to uh, Dario Franchitti won the IndyCar championship um, when on the, the race when Dan Weldon died. And I remember talking to him afterwards. Again, this was months later. Like, did you ever get to like celebrate? Because I mean, you, I think it was, it was, Dar- was it Dario or Dixon. Anyway, one of the one of the Ganassi drivers uh, won the IndyCar championship. It's like, did you ever actually get to celebrate what happened? Is this wonderful achievement for you? You know, like another career defining thing for your team, et cetera, et cetera. It's like, no, it it just what what happened with Weldon was too strong, and and it overshadowed the entire thing. And we had a small little get together a long time later, but it was not the same, and it never will be. And that's just something that happened and it's it'll, it's just there just a hole and it'll never be filled and i think to some degree that that's what happened has happened um here with these teams is it's for all the the you know the success that dayton had and fsu having this wonderful year and and gonzaga and on and on um as good as it was you'll never know what it could have been and, and that will i think overshadow it for a lot of a lot of those rosters for a long time matt let, let me ask you just just about the NCAA's decision. I mean, clearly this is a tournament that is generally played in March would finish this weekend. Uh, how realistic would there have been any thought given to uh, perhaps playing it over the summer? And, and, and for that matter, we can talk a little bit about and roll that into football because we're coming up on the period now where, you know, 
a lot of those programs would be really gearing up for uh, you know for fall practice. Yeah, it's. I mean, the, the, the March Madness is that's that's gone. That's that ship sailed. Uh, when sure. you start thinking about the logistics involved with it, um, you know, right now, what the whole country is is pretty much shut down through through the end of April. Um, right. So if if you go with that, let's say May first, everything can go back to normal. Well, May first, some of these kids are going to be graduating. Um, some of them have already mm-hmm. entered the NBA draft, uh, hired agents, and what have you. Um, you know, your backup point guard is starting a job, hopefully at whatever corporation it is. Like all that stuff makes it so hard to where it's just it just can't happen. Um, the yeah. team that would have been getting ready to play. Um, to, to be playing for the final four, uh, that, that's, that team's gone. And, and the logistics are such that it, it can't happen again. And, um, you know, the, the spring sports, those, those are done. The spring sport athletes, your baseball, softball, um, track and field, those people, uh, the NCAA is giving them an extra year of eligibility because this year is not happening. And mm-hmm. it's going to be very interesting to see how that works out logistically next year. I mean, how... It, I, there are just so many wrinkles to this. I mean, imagine you're this, here's a, a hypothetical example. Imagine you're a uh, a kid from St. Pete who signed to play baseball at Arkansas State. Uh, m- maybe you're a first baseman, and you know that the first baseman um, at Arkansas State's a senior who's getting ready to leave, and, and right. so you have a path to playing time. Well, now you don't, maybe because that guy could come back if he wants. And if there's a spot sure. open and all this other stuff, it's like there's just so many wrinkles to this that are going to be playing out over the next couple of weeks and couple of months. Um, that's going to be fascinating to see just how it all happens and what teams are, are going to look like next year. No doubt that uh, this is a huge revenue producer for college sports and the NCAA. Where, where will that be felt? The loss of, of that TV revenue. Everywhere. Um, mm-hmm. Certainly you're, your Floridas are going to miss the money a little bit. I mean, it's kind of hard to figure out exactly what it could be because the, the mumbo jumbo, uh, you get a unit of the, the NCAA's uh, March Madness contract based on your mm-hmm. conference and everything. And, you know, if you have certain, you know, X number of teams in the tournament, you get X number of units and X number of teams that go to the Sweet 16, you get more money, that sort of thing. So it's hard to exactly sure. determine how much Florida would have gotten or how much Florida State mm-hmm. would have gotten. Um, but but your bigger schools like that are equipped to handle the loss of a few million dollars, which is probably what it mm-hmm. would have been. They, they can handle that. Florida is going to be just fine. Um, mm-hmm. Where it really hurts is maybe not even the USF level, although they'll, they'll miss the money. Um, really, it's when you get down to your uh, – Jacksonville universities, or that's a bad example, North Florida, uh, you know, one school, uh, D1 school or, or FGCU or some of those. Those are mm-hmm. schools that really need that NCAA tournament money. And that's where it's really, really going to hurt. Um, and then the, the other side effect of this is what happens if football is different in some way, shape or form? Um, maybe this, they cut off the conference game. So it's just, or they cut off the non-con games, excuse me. So it's only the conference games. Um, who is that going to hurt? Uh, is Florida still going to have to pay a million dollars or whatever it is for the Eastern Washington game that never happens? If not, then Eastern Washington is not getting that big buyout or that big uh, the big payday. So that hurts Eastern Washington. Or if uh, those games don't happen, then the Gators and Knowles aren't getting that ticket money and everything. So that's hurting them. And if the games don't happen at all, 
then that's a huge, huge, huge loss we're talking um, with TV contracts and what have you. And if that happens, that's, I don't, I guess apocalyptic from the college sports perspective would probably be a little strong, but there will be some very, very bad things in terms of uh, sports being cut, positions being cut, that sort of thing. If, if the college football season is jeopardized in any way. You know, you, you make a good point. I, I think the NCAA still did the right thing, and I know there's ramifications about giving these guys spring sports uh, their eligibility back. But, man, I'm trying to imagine what it would be like, you know, going into your final year um, and, uh, you know, at least, and, and this is not a consolation, but at least they played a full basketball season. Um, they didn't get to play in the tournaments, and there were teams, like we mentioned, Florida State and others that were maybe denied that. But what else could they do? I mean, I actually think there is a – there, there was a bit of a human side that you don't always get from the NCAA that, that they kind of showed, right? No, you're, you're absolutely right. It, it, it was, I, I agree with you. I think it was the right thing to do. But in mm. something like this, where that's as complicated as it is with as many moving yeah. parts, the right yeah. thing to do is still complicated and still yeah. has some unintended side effects and consequences, consequences yeah, for um, sure. that, that will show up down the line. And, no, I, I don't know what's going to happen. Uh, with, with, I haven't seen an answer to what will happen with grad transfers. Um, you know, let's say I played baseball at Arkansas State. I was a senior. Can I be a grad? Can I grad transfer to Vanderbilt um, and play my final year there? So, could Vanderbilt become get all these grad transfers uh, for, for people playing their final year? Like those are those are logistical things that are going to be interesting to see how they play out down the line. But the the bottom line here is you're exactly right. The NCAA, I think, did the best that it could, at least doing the right thing morally, ethically, given these this set of, of unfortunate, bad circumstances that they were dealt. No doubt. And, you know, locally, of course, um, you wrote a story uh, about what's been lost here just in Tampa Bay in terms of revenue. Um, and, look, we we recognize that, that businesses and, and people are without jobs, even in, certainly in our business as well, not not because of, of the lack of tournaments or things, but uh, the economics in general, even before um, you know, the coronavirus. So I want to acknowledge that off the top. But uh, when, you, when you talk about the Tampa Bay area and um, the NCAA tournament, right, and um, the Valspar and the St. Pete Grand Prix, which we'll talk about, uh, we'll, they're going to try to finish their season here. Um, so much uh, wrestle, you know, what the WWE, right? Yep. Was coming uh, such a huge event. I mean, is there a number? Is is there even a calculus to 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 what what this area alone is is going to miss in revenue? Yeah. So Joey Knight and I kind of got together and we looked at some estimates of these type of events in the past. Now we're going to pause here because you should take these estimates with a giant thing of salt. Um, they can be spun in different ways. Uh, based on who's doing this and how and what they want to show. And, and there's all sorts, what kind of multipliers they, they're doing, if you remember your Econ 101. So take these numbers as best guesstimates. Now, that said, the math that I did was as follows. Uh, I think between the loss of Grand Prix, uh, Valspar, March Madness, WrestleMania, and... Um, what other one am I missing? There were five. So at the end, the end of spring training, the back part of spring training, I would guesstimate that the Tampa Bay area lost between two hundred and ninety and three hundred mil or three hundred and ninety million dollars. 
So certainly mm. more than a quarter of a billion with a B dollars. Um, and, and probably close to 360 is kind of the number I, I fell on. And that's, I mean, that's that's a tremendous amount of money. And it's not just like the only people losing money are the arenas or, or the race organize, organizers or what have you. you. You go with something like the Valspar, which uses a lot of the money uh, or some of the money is, is goes to charity. Um, you can have yeah. I think somebody told me there was like a uh, one of the local high school marching bands would go out and help park the cars um, and get sure. a portion of that. Well, the band didn't get that money because there was no cars to park. Mm-hmm. Valspar, to its credit, gave out some of the money, but it's it's not the same. Um, I was thinking in, um, a couple of years ago, I did a story on how the Grand Prix became such a big deal for the city and, and the IndyCar series as a whole. And I, I talked to a bartender at an Irish pub right down the track, and she was telling me how basically their biggest things of the year were uh, the, uh, the Grand Prix, because everybody would be coming right in that area, all these tourists, what have you, and uh, um, St. Patrick's Day. So they had a back-to-back double whammy that I can't imagine how much it did to them. And you go on and on and on with the hotels and the other restaurants and the Uber drivers and all that stuff. And it's just an extreme amount of money that Tampa Bay lost just in those five weeks from just those five sports-related events, not even including spring mm. break and not including um, other sporting events that are, were going to be coming up and the Rays games and the Lightning games and what have you. It, it's just it's head-spinning to think that that one slice was so big but that's the, that's the reality. That's the situation um, that we're dealing with. And hopefully for the, the areas um, when, when it's time to rebound, you know, the Super Bowl is coming up in February, God willing. And that will be an enormous time to recoup some of that money. As you mentioned, we can talk about this, that the Grand Prix is trying to uh, to become this, the IndyCar season finale probably in October. You know, maybe that can recoup some of the money and on and on. But in the short term, there's an enormous financial uh, hit that this the area took, and that you know that's it, not like monopoly money. That affects real human beings. It sure does, and and you know these things are planned out years in advance, uh, typically with respect to the NCAA men's and women's tournaments. So when we come around to next year, it's not. I'm assuming that they're not just going to say, okay, then uh, Tampa Bay, you can host the first and second round since you didn't last year, right? Yeah, it's gonna. These things, like you said, are set for 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 down the line. Um, looking at it, there's currently set through 2022 at least, um, and Tampa doesn't have one of those. But I also think, given the circumstances, uh, the NCAA is going to try and get back to to Tampa, and I think Albany was one of the sites and, and what have you, sooner rather than later, because I yeah. mean, the arena is the same, the the hotels are. Hopefully they all rebound and they're going to be the same. So the infrastructure is all there. It's just, okay, let's do this down the line. Uh, same thing with WrestleMania. I don't know whether that would be able to happen next year. I just don't know the logistics involved with that. Um, and, and whether Tampa could host or went to host the Super Bowl and then wrestling Super Bowl two months later or whatever. So there's some logistics involved with that. But I would think a lot of these things w- would be coming back in the future. I mean, NCAA has been here before. They know what we can do. Um WrestleMania picked this area for a reason, and that's not going to change in, in, you know, in the span of a couple months because of one pandemic. So I think eventually these things will come back. It's just in the, in the short term, people are still hurting. You know, the other day, um, Kirk Herbstreit, of course, uh, works for ESPN and has been uh, a, you know, a fixture in college football for years. 
And he came out and said that he'd be shocked if they had the NFL football this fall, if they had college football. We'll deal with the NFL in a minute. But with respect to college football, I've seen things anywhere from, hey, we can make this a summer sport and finish before the next round of the pandemic comes comes available, um, or uh, you know how far how far back could they still start? Again, you're talking about guys graduating. You're talking about you know semesters ending and things like this. So, are we where are we at with college football in terms of uh, you know if if everything were to go as well as it could go, and we're not we're obviously not scientists or work for the CDC. Um, but are they already anticipating that at minimum there's going to be a delay, an interruption, something that will change uh, the schedule? And just how much flexibility do they really have in, in college sports? There is some flexibility, but it's not great. Um, let's let's start mm-hmm. with the uh, the idea of doing it this summer. I cannot see that. Um, I mean, just one of the logistical things uh virginia maybe other states as well but virginia has the stay-at-home order until june 10th so if on june 11th things go back to normal that doesn't give you a lot of time to i mean you you can't start a season in july if you if virginia virginia tech um can't even be together until june 10th now there's also the fact that it's really freaking hot in the south in in july and the idea of playing games at the swamp on July 15th or whatever, that's, that's mind boggling. I, I cannot see that one happening at all playing in the summer. I think the best case scenario would be that, again, this thing goes away in the summer or or subsides a a good amount. um, And then teams kind of start reporting back sometime in July. Um, Typically as it is late July, early August is when college teams start reporting for fall camp. So the best case scenario is maybe they'd get an extra week or two on the on the front end of that because a lot. I mean, you got to remember most of these guys didn't have spring practice, so mm-hmm. that would give allow them to get up to date on the, the playbook and everything, the systems. Think about a coach like Mike Norvell at FSU who had like I think it was three practices in the spring to try and implement his new thing. So uh, you think about that, you give them a week or two of just go back to on campus get into football shape because they haven't been in football shape because they can't be working out like at a gym. So, and and then maybe things could go by August um, and, and, you know, late August when the season's ready to kick off. The more I think about it, the more that seems, um, that seems unlikely to me. I I, I have been on the mindset that I don't think uh, that the the season would get canceled. I think lately I've been, the last couple of days I've been a little bit more optimistic that something that it can be salvaged in some way, shape, or form. I, I just don't know what that means. Is it uh, no fans whatsoever at the swamp all season? Is it no fans at the swamp until October after things have, have settled down? Is it no non-conference games? I, I don't. I don't have any idea. And and that has its own uh, financial wrinkles too. I mean, Florida State opens against or is supposed to open Labor Day weekend against uh, West Virginia and Atlanta. I think the payday is something like five million dollars, three million dollars, somewhere in that range. Big payday. What if that doesn't happen? What kind of effect does that have on the Seminoles' budget when they needed the money? So you just go on and on. There's so many unknowns right now. But I, I would, I'll, I'll put it this way. I'll, I'll end my rambling and say this: I would be very surprised right now if uh, the last weekend in August, the week zero, that happens 
the, the game start and everything looks normal at then. Uh, I would be very surprised at that. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. And I, and I would too. I mean, I, I think that there's going to be obviously some delays. I mean, the, maybe the worst news, if you're just following the pandemic worldwide, is that the Chinese Basketball Association delayed the season um, due to due to uh, COVID nineteen, that they they had decided that uh, you know that they would resume play around April fifteenth, and since then, um, it looks like it's going to be much later. So, you know, again, every country is is dealing with this at a different speed. Um, the pandemic has been around for a while. We don't know when there's going to be um, vaccinations and and uh, better testing and things like this. So so we can change quickly. Um, but but wasn't wasn't a real encouraging sign, um, you know, that the Ch- Chinese Basketball Association had to uh, had had to push back what they would in, w- were anticipating might be an April start of some kind, and and of course they're they're many many months ahead of us in terms of of uh, what they what they've had to deal with there. Um, I, I wanted to ask you because I know uh, we talked a little bit about how the the Tamp- the St. Petersburg Grand Prix uh, they're going to try to make that their last event here, and and maybe some of that can be recouped. Um, you talked to Rob Higgins, who, look, I, I don't know that there's an individual I feel worse for necessarily yep. um, than Rob because he's worked so hard on, on so many of these events to, to bring them or help bring them to, to Tampa Bay. And, of course, he's the, the chairman of the Super Bowl host committee. Um, he's an optimistic person by nature, and, and the NFL has a longer runway for sure, but what did he say about the Super Bowl? And there's got to be some nerves about it, right? But I, but, but it is professional sports. It is the NFL, and maybe a little more flexibility in terms of if they, if they had to push back in an event, um, that might be one they actually could do it. Uh, you know, because there's not, to be honest with you, there's there's not a lot of events at Raymond James Stadium to begin with, or yeah, to begin with. Yeah, yeah. Uh... Uh, Joey Knight spoke spoke with Rob. He and I have tag team a lot of things. I've been doing a lot of tag teaming with with other reporters because we're all hands on deck and we're all doing sure. a million different things. Says the the guy who's a business reporter for the week. Um, but but Rob said that this is shaping up to be the biggest Super Bowl of our lifetimes for, for Tampa, certainly. And, and I think he's right. Mm-hmm. I mean, and maybe you can go bigger and say the country as a whole. Um, the best case scenario, if this thing. If this virus goes away, or things start to look better, we're going to need sports so much to help lift the um, lift the psyche uh, of this country. Um, hopefully, that Absolutely. happens in the fall um, because we've—I mean, shoot—we've all been through a lot. Like, I—I'll yeah. speak just. At, I'll take off my reporter hat, business or sports, and put on my human being hat. I'm shook, Rick. Like, yeah, I, of I course mean, you are. I shouldn't. I shouldn't be going to Publix. And freaking out, not freaking out, but being concerned about going down the cereal aisle because somebody else in a glove, you know, in gloves and a mask is coming the other way, and I, you know, so I shouldn't have to wait to get my Cheerios. Um, mm-hmm. When I was at the Grand Prix 
on the Friday when they called it off. That was the most eerie. I don't think chilling is a wrong word here. Um, scene I, I, I have seen because the day before there were people there and they were packing up. But at this point, it's supposed to be a festival. That's if you go to their website, they call it a festival. It's supposed to be a festival. Mm-hmm. And what uh, what shops what were there, what food trucks and things were there were boarded up or, or they were shells of themselves and the grill wasn't grilling and the meat smoker wasn't smoking and there was a party scene with no parties and all that stuff at an event I had been to a zillion times with people and there was nobody and that's stuff that stays with you. Um, so mm-hmm. once we're on the other side of this and I hope it is sooner rather than later, I, I hope that. Eventually, we're going to need to get back out of it and get back to normalcy. And sports is going to be one thing that does that because, you know, we're, we're a sports crazy country or a football crazy country and a football crazy state. And, and to that extent, the Super Bowl is the biggest thing of them all. And that's going to be a way that we can say, OK, we've been through a lot. Let's enjoy football. This is this big thing. Let's keep it this big thing and, and let's enjoy it and, and relax for a few hours. And that's kind of the nationwide thing. But from the local perspective, getting all the people, you know, the, the thousands and thousands of people who come for the Super Bowl back in, in our area, enjoying our beaches and eating at our restaurants and staying at our hotels and, you know, riding in our taxis and Ubers will be a lot for the local economy. And hopefully by then we're all getting back to normal and thinking about stuff like tourism. Man, it has been a crazy year. I ought to get out of here. And you're watching a game on TV and Tampa looks beautiful, you know what? I could do worse than a vacation in Tampa. Let, let, let's go. So you add all that stuff up, up together, and that's why the Super Bowl is, is it's, it's obviously always big, but this Super Bowl has a chance to be the biggest that we've ever seen, certainly in the, in the area and, and maybe in the country as a whole in some ways. No, I think you're right. I think the timing um, hopefully will be right uh, in January at the start of a new year, right? Um, the first month of the new year or, or slightly after that in February. Um, hopefully the, the worst will be behind us or if there's a surge, we'll have, we'll have vaccines by then. Um, you know, there, there's no doubt that this is – look, the last time anything can compare to this when sports were shut down for a week maybe – was nine one one, and everybody knew that at some point, um, once there was a, a requisite time of mourning, uh, and sports help help bring back, um, you know, the the nationalism, the, uh, the 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 feeling of freedom, and and um, uh, and, and kind of mended the country uh, a little bit. The the Super Bowl in Tampa, a couple of Super Bowls ago, of course, was the Gulf War, and we all remember yep. Whitney Houston. We remember the the great national anthem, the flags that everybody had um, that were, uh, you know, flying in their hands when, when she sang the national anthem. I mean, there were the first time I ever had to go through security to get into a Super Bowl was that one. And, um, you know, the way, the way it's our norm now. And that's the thing, Matt, I mean, we can only imagine how these large gatherings, whether it's in a basketball arena or a football stadium, how life is going to change because 911 certainly changed how we fly. Right. It changed. Uh, yep. you know, you're still going through metal detectors. You're doing that at stadiums as well. You're taking off your shoes. You're doing things that you never would have envisioned uh, even uh, a day before that event in, in, you know, back in 2001. And so, I mean, I, I think, you know, I think it's going to change again. I think I think we're going to see, um, you know, whether it's screening for 
you know, COVID or if it's taking the temperature of every fan that walks in there before you can board a flight. I mean, we really don't know what the new world's going to look like, but we we know enough to know it's going to change, right? I, I think it has to, um, and I don't know. Like I said, I don't I don't know what shape that's going to to take. I don't know what that's going to look like, um, depending right. on where things are in, in February. Are people sitting every other seat at Ray J for the Super Bowl? I I, I don't have exactly. any freaking idea. Exactly. Um, mm-hmm. But some things are going to be different. I, I don't think you can have something this big this long already that has affected this many people this profoundly. And at the end of it by October, we're going to be like, well, okay, back to normal. I I just, I just don't think that can happen. And it's, I don't know. It's it's just been so weird. And I, I've, I hate to talk about myself too much on this, but look, I'm a college football reporter. It's what I love. It's what I do. Um, It is an enormous Mm -hmm. part of my identity and it's how, I mean, I literally shaped my summer vacations around it, where we go with our family. Of course. I mean, a trip to North Carolina because if all goes well, I would be at SEC Media Days in Atlanta, go up to North Carolina for a little bit, then go to ACC Media Days in Charlotte. So, like, I, that's that's how my, my life is ingrained in my work and what I do. So right. it's, it's crazy that I don't know what's going to happen with, with kickoff on September 5th. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if there will be a kickoff on September fifth, and it, it throws me. It, it's still throwing me for such a loop that. The, and again, football is not the most important thing. I'm not the most important thing. I totally get all that. I'm just saying, sure. from where I sit, this and where mm-hmm. I'm viewing things, just as a guy, it, it's crazy that that's the way things are, and there's so much up in the air on that. But that's, you know, I'm not complaining. This, this is just the facts that we have, and I can't imagine that by September. I'm going to be to- feeling like, okay, well, everything's back to normal. I just, I just, I just can't fathom that right now. Yeah, it would be hard to imagine. Okay, so in lieu of actual games that are being played, or in this case not being played, of course you turn on ESPN or one of the sports networks and you see old games, you see classics, right? You see in all sports, whether it's baseball, football, tennis, I saw the other day, golf. What's the one event that you would sit down and watch start to finish just because it was so damn good? That's a really good question. Um, is the there a game? One, is, is there anything that comes to mind? One thing I want to do over again, this, this isn't the answer to your question, but I'll say this one anyway. Um, I covered the, the Indy 500. Again, I'm from, I'm from Indiana, born and raised. Indy 500 mm-hmm. is one of the biggest deals to me on the sports calendar. It's, it's massive mm-hmm. to me and, and, and my heart. Um, I got to cover the Indy 500 as an intern in 2008, but I was so focused on the lap-to-lap recap that I was doing that I didn't get to enjoy the thing. Um, so maybe looking back at that 08 Indy 500, which wasn't a great race, by the way, but actually enjoying it. It's high on my list to do again just because I want yeah. to enjoy it. Um, the, the better answer to your question in terms of what's a game that I'd want to relive, um, probably FSU Auburn, the, 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 mm. the title game in, in January of 14 and at the Rose Bowl. Um, by that point in my career, I was smart enough to, not very smart, but smart enough to take a second and enjoy it, you know, walk around yeah. the Rose Bowl, oh, what a feel the history, mm-hmm. that sort of thing. Um, mm-hmm. But the game itself was was crazy. You know, everybody remembers the, the Jameis Winston to Kelvin Benjamin pass 
uh, to, to, to win it. Um, but there was so much more to it than that. I mean, you had the it was Kermit Whitfield, uh, the kickoff return for a touchdown, the late interception uh, by P.J. Williams, the fake uh, punt that Jimbo called at the end of the first half, Carlos Williams going around. Like, all those things, I, I still haven't rewatched that to really enjoy it and take stock of everything. So that's probably... Mm-hmm. Like, I, I really don't understand why that game doesn't get talked about more as one of the all-time greats, because in my mind, it absolutely was. It was an amazing game. And the, the first national title game I covered, I, I I was fortunate. I somehow wrote a halfway decent game story from that thing. But um, that, that's one that, that jumps to mind as something I to, to, to rewatch, because it was amazing. I think it's one that Jameis Winston would like to rewatch as well, and but when you talk about national championship games, the one that gets mentioned more than that, for whatever reason, and maybe it's just the number of players or the types of players that were there, was USC Texas with Vince Young, you know, <laughs> yeah. running running it in for a oh, touchdown. That was, that, at the was end. A, that was a great one, no doubt. I mean, I remember watching that one in my college dorm, and and shoot, I mean, I've been so fortunate, Rick. I mean, the I, I've covered some great ones. The uh, the first Clemson Bama in Arizona. Um, was oh, pretty yeah. darn good, forty five forty. The one in Tampa, oh, yeah. uh, you know, Deshaun Watson <laughs> orange crush to to Hunter Renfro <laughs> with the second left was amazing. And then uh, uh, the the next year, Bama beat Georgia in overtime on second and twenty six to it to, to uh, Devontae Smith uh, down the, the left side. Like yeah. I've been so fortunate to cover some great, great, great games. Um, but to me, maybe it's just because it was my first title game and. and you know, you can you, that that meant so much to me to have an opportunity to do that because I didn't know that if I'd ever get that chance. So to be able to do that at that age and, and have it be a freaking thriller like that, um, that's oh, still yeah. the one that that kind of probably means the most to me. I, I'm looking at my, uh, you can't see it. I, I've got two uh, poster boards or bulletin boards in my in my home office in the, the Lutz bureau, Rick, um, of some of the credentials of games that I've covered over the years, not all of them, but, but the best ones. And the one that's in the middle of the college football one, which is the one that means the most to me is a 2014 Vizio BCS national championship, Matt Baker, Tampa Bay times. And then my ugly picture on it with, with a pin from that FSU Auburn game. So that's kind of how special that one is to me. Yeah, that's, those are great stories. And, and uh, yeah, we all, we all become attached and a little, a little bit nostalgic about, um, covering events for the first time when you when you do what we do. Um, let me ask this final question. When they do say go in college football, and we're going to hope that they say go at some point, who has a tougher coaching job? Is it at Florida State or USF? <sighs> or maybe neither. They, they're, they're, both, they're both disadvantaged because of the, you know, the, the fact that you've got new coaches trying to learn players. Um, I think FSU has the harder job because it's a bigger rebuild. We, we've seen with the AAC how things can go from awful quickly, to yeah. awesome quickly. Mm-hmm. I mean, UCF mm-hmm. is, is a great example from that, from 0-12 to, to undefeated in just a couple of years with the right coach. Mm-hmm. So we, we know that can happen. With FSU, mm-hmm. I think the, the rebuilding project, I mean, Mike Novell's going to have inherited, inherited the, the worst roster talent-wise of the Rivals era, if you believe the star rankings, and I think they're, they're pretty spot on, or, you know, a good guesstimate at least. Um, and, and him losing everything, having a quarterback like James Blackman, who, you know, Norvell's his third head coach, and what is it going to be, like sixth or seventh different play caller in, in his four seasons? Um, I think FSU is at a major disadvantage there. Um, Florida, on the other hand, is one of the schools that there are no winners here. 
but Florida, relatively speaking, is one of the uh, lesser losers, I think, if that makes sense. Um, mm-hmm. With, you know, uh, Dan Mullen, entrenched as head coach, uh, a lot of consistency on the coaching staff. I think only one, you know, one assistant left. Um, veteran quarterback, veteran offensive line. I think, relatively speaking, uh, UF is in better shape, especially considering, again, FSU is going to be at a disadvantage. And then Georgia is at a disadvantage as well with uh, you know, a new quarterback, Jamie Newman, coming over as a grad transfer from Wake Forest. Very different skill set than Jake Fromm. And then uh, from the coordinator level, uh, uh, Munkin uh, just a, taking a completely different offense to add to this new quarterback. Georgia is a school that would have really needed this uh, this time in the spring to get things going, and you know, sure. they don't have it. Yeah, it'll definitely have impacts in different ways. Well, we can't wait for the games to start. In the meantime, uh, Matt Baker is still working and working uh, covering college sports and sports and business and everything that we can do, and uh, we appreciate it, Matt. Stay safe. That's the number one thing, and uh, we look forward to talking to you about games pretty soon. I hope so, Rick. Take care, guys. <laughs> All right, I hope you enjoyed the podcast all week. We're still here Monday through Friday, and we'll talk sports and other fun things as well, like homeschooling and all that. We appreciate you guys listening and getting a little diversion from what we're all having to work through. But believe me, there's going to be a brighter day. And uh, no live sports, of course, this weekend again, but plenty of classics that you can watch. Take advantage of that and uh, enjoy your time with your family. We'll be back on Monday. For Steve Ersnick, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great weekend, everybody. 